This is Without Compromise, a show that explores what happens when you won't settle for anything less than your crazy ideas. We'll talk to athletes, founders, adventurers, and entrepreneurs of all kinds about living without compromise. I'm your host, Mason Gravely. Welcome to the show. We're programmed for survival, so our instinct is to give up on these situations, to move away from them. I thought if I didn't sign up for that race, that I was just going to disappear. It doesn't have to be these big, huge things that everyone thinks you need to do to make a difference. Dave Scarpello has been an ambassador for Athletic Brewing for a couple years now, and I knew that Dave was a huge fan of running. He's always running around the streets of Philadelphia, taking pictures of things he's seen on the run uh, and just posting stuff. I mean, he's always running. It's like his, he admits it's his therapy. It's his, it's his kind of solid ground in life. But what I didn't know about Dave is what led up to him becoming a runner and how hard it was for him to become a runner uh, due to a lot of things that had happened much earlier in his life that he's going to get into in this episode. Um, but if there was ever a story uh, in, our, in our community, in our ambassador community of someone who, who is emulating living without compromise, what this show is all about, uh, it is absolutely Dave's story. To be faced with so much and to have to overcome so much and to find athleticism and to find great non-alcoholic beer to be a part of that solution for you, a part of that grounding of your life. Yeah, it's Dave's story. And it has been so awesome to hear it. It's been so awesome to have him a part of the community. It's been so awesome to be inspired by him, by challenges that he's still facing up to, to this very day. And he actually has an update as of this week uh, to one of the big issues in his life that we get to talk about on this show. I love our ambassador program. And for everyone that's listening that is an athletic brewing ambassador, I just want to say thank you for being a part of this community. It means the world to us that you you want to be involved with this company and you want to try to help spread the word and make athletic brewing a household name. And lastly, if you'd be interested in trying some of the beer, especially Dave's favorite beer, which is the Cerveza Athletica, please go to our website, athleticbrewing.com. You can find Dave's favorite beer there as well as a number of other beers, all non-alcoholic, and they can ship almost anywhere in the country for free. And if not, use our store finder, find it on store shelves near you. It's the beer that draws this community together. It's the beer that makes this show possible. And it's the beer that helps us tell stories like Dave's. So without further ado... Dave Scarpello. Welcome to the show. How you doing? Thank you. I'm doing I'm doing excellent. I mean, now that I like one of my favorite podcasts and and now I'm on it, I'm doing great. <laughs> it's one of your favorite podcasts. Do you listen to other shows or <laughs> have you heard other shows? <laughs> Cuz there's some good I, ones out there. I do. Oh, I man. do. That's funny. Well, I appreciate the kind words. Tell us what, what where are you coming from today? Where's home for you? Philly. Philly, all 54 years in Philadelphia, born and raised. Wow. Well, what was yeah. that like? What was growing up in Philly like? Where, what did you grow up doing? I grew up in the Germantown section of Philadelphia, went to high school in North Philly. Kind of rough, the, the timing, because of my age. Like I, I was just just about ready to graduate from high school when the, when the crack epidemic hit. And and definitely like around the neighborhood that I was in for high school, and actually, you know, now that I think about it, it it's probably shaped and affected my life more than I realized. Because I had a conversation with somebody recently that was talking about they had been to a funeral for uh, one of their friends, and they said it was only the second time they've been to a funeral for somebody their own age. 
and I thought about it and I said, I, I don't know how many I've like been to. And so I like, you know, I talk about my PTSD a lot and people are like, that's very brave that you talk about that. And, and I think the only difference between me and a lot of my friends that I went to high school with, that I grew up with, that I was in the streets with is that I have an official diagnosis and I'm not embarrassed to talk about it publicly, but I know almost all of my friends also in some form or another suffer from PTSD. Um, and that's why the, the, the running has just been a, a godsend for me because of that. Well, well do, do you mind sharing what, what did that PTSD come from? I know that, that you had some experiences back in the day that, that led to that. I guess it was like cumulative, but the, the really, the, the event that really was the genesis of that diagnosis, um, happened in 1992. I was assaulted during an armed robbery and that led to me having back surgery about two weeks later, an emergency back surgery. And that became surgery in 1992, had a second surgery in 94, and then actually had a third back surgery in 1997. And that left me partially disabled. I still managed to get around, but things were never quite the same. And then in 2003, I was stopped at a red light. And I don't remember the incident, but apparently I was hit by a drunk driver. It was doing about 70 miles an hour, just rear-ended into me while I was stopped at the intersection. And uh, I woke up in a trauma center, and they basically said, you know, you're you're in the hospital, you're in an accident. Um, and just matter-of-factly, we're like, you know, you're never going to walk again because of your previous conditions, and this just made it worse. Jeez. Yeah. It was like one of those like bad movie moments where you're just thinking like this no, like this is not happening. And as I said to them, I'm like, No, no, you don't understand. I'm gonna walk and they were like, It's great to have a good attitude and it's great to be positive, but you have to be realistic. And I said, I hear what you're saying, but you don't know me personally and what I've been through and what I've overcome and like how like, if I decide to do something, I'm going to do it and nothing's going to stop me. And, you know, it's like, I'm going to be the best rehab patient you ever had. But I, I was in the hospital for for days and I did spend time in a, in a wheelchair. It was really scary. Wow, man. Wow. What, what, what got you through that? You know, what, were you able to maintain that, that mindset that you had with the doctor when you told them that you were going to get through this? Um, you know, I, I think to be really honest, I think part of it is like, fake it till you make it, <laughs> right. you know, it was like, I was, I was really good at convincing other, everyone else that I was confident. But then when the nurses and the doctors would leave and I'm in the bed alone, you know, in the middle of the night, that's when, you know, it's scary. And you're like, I don't like, can I do this? And I guess I'm just, I'm, I'm a fighter. I don't give up. And, and I guess that being stubborn, deciding it, like nobody's going to, like the worst thing anyone can do is tell me I can't do something. And that's exactly what the doctors did. And I just kind of, I guess, followed that same formula 
to push me through. And, you know, it it went from you're never going to walk again and I'm in a wheelchair to you're never going to be able to walk without your walker. You're never going to be able to walk without a cane. Then progress to you're never going to be able to walk without a limp. And and the thing is, like, when I'm in a uh, a walker and they're telling me I'll never be able to walk with a cane, I'm thinking that's great because I'm like, I'm walking. Right. But, but I never got to a point where I didn't try to push a little bit further. But honestly, the fact that I became a runner and a distance runner is just like, even like I can be cocky, have a big ego. (laughs) Right. Um, and, and even I didn't think like that, that that was, possible because a few people were like oh you might as well just try to take the next step and i was like i'm I'm, I'm walking without a limp i'm like i'm appreciative and i'm happy i started doing aqua jogging at the y because it was a way for me to stay loose without putting pressure on my spine and that really helped me build up the muscles around the back and it took away like i have sciatica even to like every day even now it's just some days are better than others, but I have it every day. But the the swimming and the aqua jogging was so great for that. And that allowed me to build up to get to the point where I could just walk for forever. You know, I would go on like 20 mile walks and I was happy and content with that. After a few years of just, you know, being the walking man, the local YMCA had a, a 5K advertised, and I was like, hmm, I, like, I wonder if I could enter the 5K. And I had no idea. Like, I, I ran in high school, but I had asthma, so I was a sprinter. I, we didn't have the, – the joke was that people were like, oh, did you do cross country in high school? And I was like, I went to high school in North Philly. There was no country to cross. Like, <laughs> right. No country to cross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The subway was a block away. <laughs> but I went to the director of the race because I didn't, I didn't know how it worked. And I said, you know, I, I, I haven't ran, you know, years literally. And I said, I, I think I might be, I was like, I know I can do 3.1 miles, but how do five K's work? Like, could I start out running, but if I physically can't run, like finish it by walking. And they were like, Oh yeah, it's pretty informal. It's not a big deal. We have a lot of seniors that do it families and they actually walk the entire thing. So I thought, great. And in my mind, I went into it with a one and done, just like, Hey, I can say like my success story. I ran a 5k after being told I would never walk again. And I got really lucky. I actually was able to run the whole thing. It was amazing how when I saw the finish line, it's like my brain went back to high school to being a sprinter. When you're like, okay, I'm at the point now where I just open up and turn it on. And without even thinking, I did that at the end of the 5K and I flicked, finished across the line in a straight sprint. And then I broke down like I just won the Boston Marathon. Like I cried. It was amazing. And I hadn't felt that kind of like elation 
um, in so long that I was like, I, I have to do that again. We're like, when's another 5K? So I ran another 5K about two weeks later. Then I found a 10K and somebody said, oh, now you do a half marathon. And I was like, like let's not be ridiculous, but <laughs> I'll try. And then, right, so then I, I trained, you know, and I did the half marathon and somebody said, marathon. And I'm like, there's no way this broken body. Like I couldn't do what I just did and then do it all over again. Impossible. And the scariest moment when I, cause my, I just got lucky. I entered the lottery for the New York city marathon 2016. And again, that was something where I can say, Oh, bucket list. I tried to run the New York city marathon. Um, and wouldn't that be cool to be my first full marathon to, to be like a world major, but there's only 8% chance of getting chosen. And of course I got in. And when I, I remember when I, I was doing pretty good. And then when I passed the sign, it said 13.1. I'm like, I've never run in a race this far. And like, I have to do 13 more like, Oh my God, this is real. And that just ended up being one of the greatest days ever um, because I collapsed. Like I crossed the finish line, same as I did in the 5K. And I, you know, dropped to my knees and then I just bawled like a baby. And for a second, I was like, oh, my God, I'm so embarrassed. But then I looked around. Everyone else was doing the same thing. So unreal. <laughs> even when I'm telling this story, sometimes I'm like, you know, if I didn't know myself, I think this guy's full of it or exaggerates um, because who tries to get into New York City marathon in the lottery and gets picked the first time? <laughs> so. Wow. So, so is it ever still, you know, with the, with the pain and with everything you've gone through and you always continue to go through life? Life never stops coming at you. That's for sure. What what what, what keeps you running today? What what gets you out of bed to, to go run? on the, on the tough days. Uh, running is like my drug, like that runner's high. Um, I've never been a, like a heavy, heavy drinker, even though obviously I love beer, um, <laughs> was never a heavy drinker. never tried any illegal drugs. Um, it just wasn't my thing. I was more into music and sports growing up. You know, I was serious enough about, the athletics is like I said, I was like, I'm not a natural athlete. I'm not tall. I'm not, you know, physically imposing big person. So the, the way that I achieved my success was that I just knew I was willing to outwork everybody. Cause like in little league, I got cut the first two years I tried out for little league and was devastated. And I ended up being the captain of my, high school baseball team and it wasn't because I was the most talented player I mean I was good but I I was nowhere near the best I wasn't even the second or the third best player probably but I put in the time and the effort to outwork everybody and and that's the one thing that I always know I can count on it's just the way I'm the way I'm built I guess you want to you want to tell us the story about Kind of your most recent thing that happened, getting getting a new set of uh, chompers, man, some teeth. You, you, you want to talk about that? You don't have to. Yes. 
No, absolutely. I'd love to hear because, because man, you've come through so much and you said you've given up, you know, a lot of other opportunities and there's other things that you've probably held back on because of your smile, but that as of this week has been fixed too. Right. And, and actually, and that does tie into the rest of the story because so 1992, I get assaulted during the armed robbery. I'm in excruciating pain. They put me on, you know, Percocet and Dilaudid, and I'm getting like all the, the drugs they're giving me. And I really needed them at that point because I was in that much pain. And then basically, you know, you have a second surgery and then a third back surgery. And then I'm taking, uh, that was back when they were more liberal with the prescriptions. I spent literally years, like a few years, just in bed. It takes away the pain, but it also takes away your drive and your life. And I I literally had a day where I looked in the mirror and was like, I like I can't I can't keep doing this. Like I'm breathing, but I'm not really living. And I went into the 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 pain clinic I was going to and I was like, uh, yeah, I don't need the, the Percocet, um, this month. I'm like, this is going to be my last visit. I'm, I'm going to take myself off the pain meds. And they were like, you can't, we'd have to set you up to go into a detox and then a rehab. And I'm like, no, I just like, I want them out of my system. I need to see if I'm able to survive without them. And I just went home, lived alone, and I detoxed off of all the opioids at one time. And it was exactly how it seems in the movies. It's it's worse. It's awful. But then when I came through the other side of it, you find out that it rewires your brain, number one. So your pain receptors act differently after a while. And it takes a toll on you physically, especially on your teeth, which I wasn't aware of. And towards the end, right before I took my, like, before I decided I'm not, like, I can't just pop opioids the rest of my life, whether they're giving them to me, you know, the right way or not. I started to notice, like, oh, this tooth is loose or I'm having problems. So it didn't happen overnight, but it happened gradually and increasingly. And then one day you wake up and you're like, oh, my God, I'm missing a tooth. Like, what happens if one of the front teeth fall out? So then that adds more stress. And then that stress turns into physical. Then my back gets tight because I'm upset. And it's just a whole crazy, you know, deal. I'm on disability, so I don't have dental coverage. I don't have the finances. And even though I had stopped taking the opioids in 2012, by the time I had decided to stop, the damage to my teeth was had like already been done. It was so, for a few years after that, it just progressively got worse and worse. And they said, you need to have this procedure. And I'm like, yeah, with what money? Who's, you know, who's going to pay for it? So I compensated. I started trying to talk with my mouth closed. I wouldn't smile in pictures. Um, certain things that you can't eat 
there were times when I would panic if I'm out with friends all day and they're like, we're hungry, let's go to eat. I'm like, yes, I'm starving. We get to a restaurant and there's nothing that I can swallow. So I'm like, oh, my stomach hurts. I'm actually not that hungry um, and making excuses because I was missing so many teeth that I literally there were things I couldn't eat because I couldn't chew. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it literally got to the point where they said we're ha- we, your only option is to have the remaining teeth all extracted and you're going to need implants. And they gave me the price on it. And I was like, Oh, great. I'm never going to eat solid food again. And then, uh, I had this amazing, amazing, amazing girlfriend who, uh, like looked past the problems with my teeth and just convinced me, you know, that's not you. It's, it's temporary. It can be fixed. And of course I had been dealing with it alone for so many years and hiding it. And I'm like, no, but I don't have the money. And I was really defensive and she had this magical way of being able to get through to me where other people couldn't cause I'm very stubborn I don't like to listen to other people's advice. Um, (laughs) But for whatever reason, she had the magic touch and could talk to me and said, what about doing GoFundMe? And I said, I'd have to expose myself. I would be admitting to people. And she's like, sometimes that's not such a bad thing. You have so many people around you that, that love you. Your friends, like, they adore you. And I'm like, I have to agree. You are one person I've noticed that when you post something or ask something or, or talk, there's there's people around you, man, like all the time. There's a community that's always interacting with you. It's something I noticed about you early on. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just I'm 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 so blessed with that and, and that uh that at least it planted the seed in my head that maybe doing a GoFundMe isn't the worst thing. Um, and, and swallowing some of my pride and showing some vulnerability, which is hard for somebody with PTSD to be vulnerable, period. But then I would have to do it publicly was really, really scary. No doubt. But like I said, she planted the the seed and at least made me consider it. And then ultimately I had a friend who said, you know, you're going through a really bad time right now. You need something good in your life. It's affecting your health. And she's like, please let me put up a GoFundMe. And this was in in the beginning of January. And I said, Andrea, I I love you. I, I appreciate it. I know you're trying to help me, but I need thousands and thousands of dollars. It's the middle of COVID. No one has money. Everyone's laid off. And I said, you can do it. I'll take the pictures of my teeth looking terrible and, you know, we can put them up. I said, but I would be shocked if it raised a few hundred dollars. I would be grateful for it, but it wouldn't really put me anywhere realistically close to getting the work done. And she put it up and it just exploded and... Obviously, the fact that, that we've mentioned that I've had the procedure done 
people came out of the woodwork. I was so amazed. I'm still amazed. And my friends are just like, uh, we told you, we got your back. Like people, you know, you've done things for people. People are now paying it forward, paying it back. And so many people donated so much so quickly that within two months, I had to, after all these years, I had the procedure scheduled and I had it done last Thursday. And it's been amazing. And I know there's people at Athletic, if you're listening to thank you, thank you. And uh, my friends, the, the people that donated anonymously, I wish I knew who you were. I don't even have a list. It hasn't changed my speech, which even the dentist was surprised. And I've been eating foods that I haven't been able to eat for years. So, Gosh, yeah, it, it's, it's just like getting a, a, a new lease you know, on life. It's amazing something that you don't, you know, might not think about what effect that much does. It it changes your, the way you see everything, you know, the way you approach situations, the confidence level, the what's possible. Oh, absolutely. Because I've even turned down a few um, roles to be in films uh, where I have friends that are um, filmmakers and it wasn't even like, hey, I want you to audition for this role. There were calls where they were like, I want you to play this character. It's yours if you want it. And I just have to say like, oh, man, like I'm so, I appreciate that. But my teeth are really messed up and I can't do that. And, you know, they understood. But so, yeah, the next person who offers me a movie role, the answer is yes. <laughs> I'm taking the role. You're going to smile the whole time, too. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Dave, that is incredible. You know, that's a lesson right there. You know, opening up, being vulnerable sometimes is when you don't want to put in away your pride, like you said, sometimes that's what it takes to get the job done and, and, and to elevate yourself to that next level. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's all about teamwork because the, the proof is in the pudding. I tried to do it by myself for years and I couldn't do it. And it could have been 10, 20, 30 more years. And on my own, I did not have the resources and the ability to make it happen. But my team stepped up and and took care of me. Well, man, I, I'd love to, to ask you uh, a couple rapid fire questions or just some questions to wrap up the interview, if that's all right with you, unless there's something else yeah. specific you wanted to share. Um, I just want to share that I was a beer lover for a really, really long time and in 2018, I said, I want to be a better athlete. Like I want to get quicker marathon times. I want to finish, you know, my five K's quicker. I want to be a better athlete. What can I do? I can just cut out the alcohol. And then about five seconds later, I'm like, Oh, but what am I going to do? Cause (laughs) non-alcoholic beer is trash. And I went on Google and I was like, please don't tell me it's those two that it used to be like, that something has changed. And luckily, something had changed. And I went out and I searched and I found some non-alcoholic beers. And Athletic honestly turned out to be the best one. The fact that I'm an ambassador for Athletic, like to me, like I'm so proud of that to, to represent the company. I mean, the product is great. 
I like the message that the company sends. So, yeah, I just want everyone to know how proud I am to be associated and affiliated with Athletic Brewing Company. Dave, we're proud to have you, man. It's uh, it's a pleasure. Just, you know, your story's incredibly inspiring. Um, just thinking about, I know everybody listening is thinking about, dang, what what do I need to open up it about? What do I, what is holding me back that I could allow, you know, people in, into that vulnerable area to, to help me with, you know, we, we all try to be tough and we all try to handle it on our own, but there just comes a point where we got to lean on each other. So that's what the whole ambassador community is about. That's what athletic is about. And just, just proud to have you a part of it. What, what, what would you say your favorite beer is? Uh, Cerveza Athletica. Yeah, I, I need I, I need that to be year round. You need it to be year round. Well, shoot. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I I don't know if I could do that, but I do know that at Cerveza is uh, as of I think this week or next week. It it's the new seasonal beer, so it, it is taking over for the season. Spring's here, so Cerveza's yeah. coming. And I still have some in the fridge. There you go. We're gonna have to send you some. Yes. So so let let, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. What would you say the biggest goal you have that isn't yet achieved? What would you say that is? Um, I'm going to try to run an ultra. Uh, I don't have one in mind. And, you know, COVID is making in-person races difficult. But that's kind of the running-wise, the goal. I have to get you out on one. I have to get you out on one. There's plenty of them around, that's for sure. There's a lot of athletic beer at the finish lines of, of a lot of those. So, there's a lot of athletic beer at the finish line at every race I do. <laughs> I make good. sure. I make sure. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. So, let me ask you this: Do you have a hobby that folks don't know much about, or you don't talk about much? My friends that know me for a long time have known it, but um, my background is in the, the music industry. I've performed at the Apollo Theater in Harlem. Jazzy Jeff actually DJed my prom. <laughs> wow. Yeah, his girlfriend was in was in my my graduating class in high school. So Jazzy Jeff <laughs> was a DJ at my prom before he was famous. So I knew him pre-fame, and then I ended up as a as a DJ uh, on a local radio station. Funk Wizard Snow. Yep, that was my, that was my hip hop name, Funk Wizard Snow. Um, and I met Will Smith through Jeff, and ended up in one of his videos, and have just done a like I have a. You can actually still buy some of my own releases o- online as digital downloads, <laughs> somewhere in the dark corners of the <laughs> the web. But yeah, but there's a there's a whole bunch of people that don't realize i had like this whole previous life as a uh, like as an early rapper and i was actually this i'm really proud of i was um inducted into the greater philadelphia hip-hop hall of fame are you serious yeah and yeah my, my name was uh, probably the only thing that i think made me as proud as, as being inducted into like the local hall of fame uh, at Philadelphia International Airport a few years ago had commissioned uh, like down a long hallway between terminals celebrating Philadelphia DJ culture. And they picked the top, what they thought were the top 100 DJs in, in the history of Philly, not, not just hip hop, but uh, 
you know, that mixed and scratch, but then it was also radio DJs. Uh, like myself, I worked at a station called Power 99. Um, and one of my friends called me and said, uh, look at your phone. I'm sending you a picture. And it said on the mural, Funk Wizard Snow. So that was pretty cool. Dave, man, you've got just some wild <laughs> stories. <dude. laughs> I told I, I told you, like, and I tell people this all the time. I'm like, if I didn't know me and I didn't experience all this like firsthand, I would think I was so full of it. <laughs> like there's just like there's just no way that that like all this stuff happened in one person in one lifetime. But hey, man, that, that I believe it. I, I, I know some I know some crazy folks and uh, who've gone through a lot of stuff. So this is but you're right there at the top of the list, man. This is awesome. So what what does it mean to you to live without compromise? Uh, to give your all at all times. It doesn't even matter whether you win or lose as, as, as long as you've, you know, given your best. You feel good at the end of the day and take care of other people along the way while you're doing it. You, you can take care of other people, uh, you know, without compromising yourself, there's a way to take care of yourself and other people. Mm. Not not just about yourself. No, and that's obvious. I just got my teeth done, and that's because other people obviously had that same mentality, and they looked out for me. So, well, Dave, it's a long time coming. We've been needed to interview you, but you know, I'm glad we waited until see your story. You know, take some incredibly positive turns and some 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 highs. Yeah, man, just happy to have you on the team. Happy to hear you're doing better and got your Thank teeth you. and getting vaccinated, man. You're ready. You're ready to roll. Yeah, I'm sure something else bad will happen that I'll get to <laughs> overcome. <laughs> it's an it's an it's just my it's my life. That's life, man. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is, I'll kick its ass too. <laughs> If you'd like to read more about Dave's story, go to our blog at athleticbrewing.com. Most recent article was written about Dave by Julie Engler, our brand ambassador administrator. That link is in the show notes. And if you'd like to apply to be an ambassador, also go to athleticbrewing.com, find the application there. And lastly, if you'd like to try some of our non-alcoholic craft beer, you guessed it, athleticbrewing.com. Free shipping nationwide, or use our store finder to find it on store shelves near you. you.